Hello, I'm Erica Lacasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today we'll be talking about paying the price. Stick around for some hope, healing, and maybe even some laughs. Welcome once again to another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today is the 4th of July, 2022. It is 246 years since the foundation of America, which being an American is important to me. In fact, this is probably my favorite American holiday of all time. I absolutely love this holiday down to coming together as uh, family and friends and just celebrating and honoring those who made a lot of sacrifices and or the ultimate sacrifice for this country. And today I'm going to be talking about paying the price, which ironically actually doesn't really have anything to do with the 4th of July. That just happens to be the title of the podcast. The tour portion for this week is Chukat, which I probably just butchered, which means statute or decree. You'll find it in Numbers chapter 19, verse 1, through chapter 22, verse 1. The half tour portion is Judges chapter 11, verse 1 through 33. And the Brit Hadashah is John chapter 12, verses 27 to 50. Really great, as it is every single week, uh, tour portion. We're actually going to talk a little bit about the tour portion today. And we're going to start with... Something that I do tend to quote sometimes, it's an email that I get from Ann Elliott who does the homeschooling Torah, and I still get the emails even though I'm not actually homeschooling my children right now. But this is what she said, and I think that it really has a lot of good questions, and she's just being honest. It says, this week's Torah portion is chukat, which means statute or decree. The portion begins with the command of Adonai to offer a red heifer in sacrifice with very specific instructions on how to be cleansed from uncleanliness with its ashes. This command doesn't seem to make any sense. However, God decreed it, and his people were therefore to obey. Later, Adonai gave the strange command for Moses to make a bronze serpent and lift it up on a pole. Many years later, during the time of Judges, the Israelite people worshipped that bronze serpent. Sometimes I wonder why Adonai would command them to make an image of something, even though it appears to go against the second command, not to make any graven images. This command didn't seem to make any sense. However, God commanded it, and when his people obeyed, they were healed. What do we do when the Bible doesn't make sense? Are we off the hook on obedience until we've had time to study and try to understand it? No, we are to obey first and try to understand later. It's easy to see that our children need to learn to obey immediately without question because I said so. Sometimes, especially in dangerous situations, obedience like this is necessary. Of course, we parents aren't God and we don't have perfect wisdom. We also need to reassure our children that we would be happy to explain why later and determine not to make arbitrary commands out of cruelty or laziness. going to be honest, I've definitely been lazy and just been like, just because I said so. However, Do we parents obey God without question? I was convicted about several things this week, areas in which I don't always want to obey and in which I tend to give the excuse that the command doesn't make sense and doesn't seem to apply to me today. I think that that was really well written 
And she has a really, uh, a lot of really good points because I too, I think have, have questioned this uh, portion of the text where I'm wondering like, why in the world would Adonai tell them to build or to make this, ser- this bronze serpent? Because you know that he knows later on, they're going to end up worshiping this thing. But she has a lot of other good points too, because we are Adonai's children. There are times where he commands us to do something for our own good. We may not see it in the moment, but he does it for our own good. So I want to go over to Exodus chapter 20, which is where they do, you know, the 10 words, the 10 commandments and go over to verse. I was hoping I wouldn't have any roosters in my podcast this week, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm not kidding. Last week I had a rooster right underneath my window, just, just cockadoodle dooling. And I'm like, man, he must know that I'm doing a podcast right now. Anyways, so I'm going to go to verse four in chapter 20. It says, do not make for yourself a graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or on the earth below or in the water under the earth. Do not bow down to them. Do not let anyone make you serve them. For I, Adonai, your God, am a jealous God bringing the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to the thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my mitzvot. So that's actually kind of a longer commandment. You know, a lot of the other ones are like, you know, do not murder, do not commit adultery. This one, he gives a little bit more detail. So it's not, he's not saying like you can't create or build or make things like you can make a sculpture of, I don't know, a bear, an eagle, a turtle, whatever you want. The problem is when we choose to bow down to them and serve them, whether it's somebody else making us do it, like in with the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, King Nebuchadnezzar was making, trying to make them bow down to this big statue of him and they refused to do so. Or it's something that you have yourself and you've chosen to bow down to it. This, I think, in this day and age can definitely come in a lot of different forms. And I still would argue that anything that you have set higher than the than the place of Adonai in your mind has become an idol. Whether it be technology, your children, your marriage, it doesn't matter. If you've chosen to make something else, a priority over Adonai. And I think that we can honestly say that each one of us has done that at some point in our lives. Then we need to repent and go to the father and say, you know what, Lord, you are my living sacrifice and you paid the price for me. And what I'm doing is wrong. Help me to put you back in the place of honor where you belong. And I was talking to my husband about this and actually he's kind of the one who gave me the idea of this. And a lot of times we do that even in churches. And I know there's a lot of messianic believers who really are offended by the image of the cross. One, I'd ask, why are you so offended? It's just an image. Like, unless you're choosing to worship it, it's not really a big deal. However, almost all churches, I would say the majority of churches do have at least one big old cross that everybody kind of looks to. I know we do actually in the Baptist church that we are in, it's not our building, right? So it's the Baptist church. They choose to have a cross there. 
And I'm, I choose not to be offended by it because I don't see it as an idol. I see it as something to remind us of the price that Yeshua paid for us on that cross. Now, when it gets to the point where you start, you know, I don't know, bowing down to it and or praying to it, that could be problematic, obviously, because then you've made it into an idol. And I know that's something that in the Catholic church is a lot more prevalent than any other kind of denomination, because I mean, that was, that was my biggest entertainment growing up. You know, my grandmother would take my sister and I every single day to mass in the summertime and sitting in these pews. And we were at a beautiful church called St. Elizabeth Seton. Some saint, I asked my grandmother about it at one point, no idea what it was that she did to make herself a saint, but um, you know, they've got all these stained glass windows, basically with stories being depicted in the stained glass windows. Then you of course have the, um, cross with Yeshua on it being sacrificed. And then you have, of course, Mary and Joseph and, and that's where I think you start kind of drawing the line a little bit. There's one thing to have like a picture on your wall, but it's another thing when you're having it in a place of worship and you start praying to that object that is to me fundamentally an idol. Now, in Numbers chapter 21, verse 4 through 9, this is part of the Torah portion for this week, is where they get into uh, Nehushtan, Nehushtan, snake on a pole. And it's Numbers chapter 21, 4 through 9. Hopefully you're going there. As you know, I read from the Tree of Life version. I happen to like it. I think that it's really easy for someone who may or may not be educated to understand it, but it also has things that you still have to look up and be like, wait, who is that? Who are we talking about? Okay. So chapter 21, verse four, it says they traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the sea of reeds in order to go around the land of Edom. The spirit of the people became impatient along the way. How many of us have become impatient along the way that God has led us? Verse five, the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you brought us from Egypt to die in the wilderness? Because there is no bread, no water, and our very spirit detests the despicable food. So Adonai sent poisonous serpents among the people and they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died. Um, ben, actually, when we were talking about this, found a commentary. They were talking about how God used snakes who he had cursed to eat dirt to turn around and use them in this situation to eat, to, to bite the people who were complaining about the food that they were lacking and they, because they didn't like the food that they were eating. So why not have an animal that he had cursed that has to eat the dirt of the, the earth now bite the people who are complaining about even better food, much better food than dirt. But anyways, I thought that was interesting. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against Adonai and you. Pray to Adonai for us that he may take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Adonai said to Moses, make yourself a fiery snake and put it on a pole. Whenever anyone who has been bitten will look at it, he will live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. And it happened that whenever a snake bit anyone and he looked at the bronze snake, he lived. So they didn't bow down to it. They looked at the bronze snake and they would live. Now, obviously, in the time of Judges, it's when things changed and they would actually worship this bronze snake that was on this pole. But I think it's very interesting when you're reading this. And they're praying. They want Moses to pray to Adonai for them and say, make him take away the snakes. He didn't do that. 
Adonai did not take away the snakes. He made a different way for them to be able to be healed from these poisonous snakes, but he did not make the snakes go away. And I think that's kind of important to really think about. A lot of times in our circumstances and situations, no matter what's going on in our life, we could grumble and complain to Adonai about what's going on in our lives and we're not content and we're impatient because we want things to happen right now, even though that's not the way that the world works. That's not the way that Adonai works. And we really do know better. Let's be honest. The Israelites knew better than to complain to Adonai. This is not the first time they complained. And because of that, we talked about this, you know, there are good consequences and bad consequences. I'd say they got an awfully bad consequence in this situation where Adonai brought these snakes to bite them. And some of them, you know, a lot of them died. So a lot of them weren't able to actually, you know, be healed. But he said, make this snake, put it on a pole. And if anyone who's been bitten looks at it, he will live. It's not because it was some sort of mystical snake. It didn't have some mystical snake, magical power. It had to do with their faith and belief and obedience to God. They chose to have faith that what Adonai said to them was true. And they were obedient and looked up at this snake. And because of their obedience and faith in Adonai, that he is who he says he is, he healed them. And I think that that's really kind of an amazing picture. And how often in our own lives does he do that? You know, he doesn't like, hey, you know, make this snake thing and I'll make it all go away. But it's not something that they were expecting. They were expecting him to simply make the snakes disappear. He didn't do what they asked him to do. He made another way. Just as he did with Yeshua. He made another way. You know, the Jews at that time were not expecting Yeshua to show up the way that he did. They were not expecting him to, they were expecting him to be a mighty warrior who would kill all the Romans and free the Israelites from the Roman empire. He didn't do that. He came as a sacrifice and paid the price for all of our sins. He was the lamb that was slain and chose to die so that we might live. You know, I know a lot of us go through so many trials and tribulations and struggles in our life. And a lot of it could be like, why me? Why do I keep having to have all these different situations? Because God's chosen you for such a time as this. And he's chosen you, just like he's chosen me, to live in this time, to stand up and fight, and to pay any and all sacrifices for what we believe in. It was, I really enjoyed it. There was somebody who, um, one of my friends who posted on Facebook, um, and they were getting upset at them for something they posted about and, and said like, what are you just, you know, you're a Republican. And so you think all these conservative things. And it's like, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I'm a Biblican. And quite frankly, I think that that's spot on because that's the same way that I feel. I'm neither one. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a political party. I am a child of the most high God. And I choose to follow what the word of God says. And because of what the word of God says, 
directly links to how I'm choosing to vote, how I choose to live my life, what I consider acceptable behavior, good godly behavior, behavior that is that is for my good and not for my for the evil. And I choose to walk that path, even if it would be a whole lot easier to cave to what the media says, the majority supposedly says, um, what the world says is okay. You know, Yeshua wasn't kidding when he said, you know, you are to take up your cross and follow me. And to me, it's not that we have to, it's that we get to. We get to follow the Son of the Most High God, our Savior, into whatever battlefield that He chooses for us. We choose, not perfectly, but choose to, on a daily basis, deny ourselves and pay the price for following Yeshua. And I don't know about you, but that actually is exciting for me. It gives me something to live for. You know, I'm always amazed by people who say they're atheists and it's, you know, my kids are like, stop being sarcastic with them or I'm not. When I meet an atheist, I'm always in awe of them and I tell them that I'm in awe of them. And they're like, why? I'm like, because you believe in nothing. And to me, it's a whole lot harder to believe in nothing than it is to believe in something. And that is amazing to me. You believe that we came from nothing and just spontaneously combusted into something. I believe that there is a God at work who created each and everything that's on the earth. And if he didn't create the particular thing, he created the person or thing that created it, if that makes sense. It all goes back to Adonai. You know, God paid the price with his one and only son. So we would be able to be in Adonai's presence because Adonai is a holy God and we cannot be in his presence because we are not holy. We are sinners to the core. And yet Yeshua paid the price. He tore that veil so that we would be able to enter into his presence. And that's just amazing to me. I realize that today is a little bit shorter. It is the 4th of July. And July 2nd was my youngest son's 14th birthday, which I try not to think about too much because it's a little depressing. He's an absolute joy. He uh, he keeps us on our toes and is highly entertaining with the words that he says and the quotes that come out of his mouth. But I tell you what, I'm just blessed to have each and every one of my children, my husband, my family, and for a lot of people, there's different times of the year where they think about that. But July 4th is where I really do think about it, especially because I come from a military background. I know you're supposed to think about that during like, you know, Veterans Day or whatever, which I do. But July 4th, you think about the generations, the generations, the generations, the generations who fought for what they believed in and the hopes that they would not only show their children what was worthwhile and what they should also believe in, but they pass on, hopefully, generational blessings and not curses. And I'm just so thankful for all of those men and women who paid the price 
for us to be where we are today in our lives. I don't know where you are in the world, but I hope that you are celebrating that. Even if you happen to not be in America, take a day to just thank Adonai. Each and every day, really, thanking Adonai for all that he has given us and all of the beautiful, beautiful things that he has given us and that we have blessed with, especially the American people. We have been blessed beyond belief. And like I do every single week, I'm going to go ahead and end with the ironic benediction because my dog is barking in the background. Evidently, someone's come to the door. And I'm going to read to you Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Bashem Yeshua, Sashalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Have a blessed week, everyone. Enjoy the 4th of July. And I will be back here next week. Please feel free to message me at messymessianicmama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at protonmail.com. That's E is an echo. L is in lemur, M is in Mike, M is in Mike, M is in Mike, the number three at protonmail.com. You can also leave me a one minute voicemail message on anchor.fm slash Erica LaCasse, and it should have a button right there to say leave a voice message. Remember to keep it short and sweet if you have any questions or you just want to leave a nice little comment. I would love to hear from you.